This is the Aspire Podcast. The Aspire Podcast is all about sharing the stories of those who have aspired into full-time Christian ministry. As we share their stories, we hope to encourage, excite, and equip you to consider what it would mean to aspire towards ministry. Welcome back to um, our next episode of the Aspire podcast. A big uh, thanks to all of our uh, regular and consistent listeners. We really hope that the um, episodes that we're producing have been really helpful for you as you uh, continue to prayerfully consider uh, the opportunities that lie before you in terms of ministry. And we really value your feedback. And as some of you have really been doing, great to hear and see the engagement through the Facebook group. Uh, put some questions in there. We'll probably do another Q&A to round out the season. So at some point we'll ask for questions and then we'll try and have a go at answering them. So really glad you can join us again. Uh, on this episode, we're joined by uh, Cara Hartley. Cara is the Archdeacon for Women's Ministry in the Sydney Anglican Diocese. And she's been doing that for a number of years. And prior to that, she was working uh, within an Anglican church as um, an assistant minister. Cara, welcome. So glad you can join us. Thanks, Patty. Great to be here. Do you want to tell us before we sort of hear about your journey into ministry, tell us a little bit about sort of the stage of life that you're up to? Do you have family? Do you, um, where do you go to church? Those sorts of things. Sure. Um, I'm married to Brett. Uh, we're in a stage of life where we got married quite late in life. So we don't have any kids, um, but we're enjoying uh, the ministries that we're involved in. So he's involved in ministry or work in a school and um, obviously you've already said what I do. We go to church uh, near us in Sutherland. So we live in the southern part of Sydney in the Sutherland Shire and uh, we've been part of that church for about uh, seven seven years. So, yeah, so that's good fun. Great. So glad you can join us. We um, often ask our guests to sort of start with um, telling us a little bit how they about how they became a Christian, mm. which obviously is in some senses the very embryonic start mm. of the sort of the journey towards then serving the Lord in a ministry capacity. So do you want to share with us briefly how you became a Christian? Sure. Uh, I became a Christian in late high school, year 11, year 12. Don't have that date. I don't have that moment, that day, but it was a slow burn for me. I started going to a youth group in year 11 on the invitation of my across the road neighbor. And um, I'm very thankful for that invitation. And I keep saying to people, don't be afraid to invite somebody. You never know. That could be a me who says yes mm. and here's the gospel. But I guess that was the end point for me of a lifetime up until that point of being exposed to the gospel. So I'm kind of the last generation that was sent to Sunday school. So my parents would drive us, drop us off, go home, read the paper, have a coffee, then come back and pick us up. And right. um, I think I'm kind of at the end, like that's my generation is the last of those of us who had that happen. I remember coming out of Sunday school, as it was called, with lines of cars waiting to pick up their children. These days if somebody dropped their kids off at Sunday school and went home or kids' church, we'd be kind of wondering what do we do with this kid, you know. Are they... yeah. But that was quite the norm back then. So I, was, uh, I went to Sunday school, kids' church, and then um, stopped going there kind of late primary school but then went to an Anglican girls' school uh, for my high schooling. And, again, I didn't, I didn't become a Christian there and, it, to be honest, it wasn't overly helpful. We had chapel every day and it was, felt quite boring. But what it did for me is by the time I went to that youth group in year 11, the reality of the existence of God, and the existence of Jesus wasn't a barrier to me. 
because mm. I had grown up thinking they existed, they were real, what, what I needed to hear was that I wasn't in relationship with them. I was actually regarded as a sinner, that God held me as his enemy. I was not friends with him. And uh, without trusting in Jesus for saving me, for dying in my place, uh, I would be under God's condemnation. So that was kind of what the missing piece, if you like, the missing brick that of the wall that kind of came in year 11 and 12 and then was on from there. Praise God for that. That's a, yeah. a really great story and um, may get some resonance with some of the people who are listening who perhaps have, if you like, been Christianized or yeah. have been sort of regular church attenders, but it's in a sort of a moment, late high school, yeah. even maybe for some early uni, there's that moment of, ah, sort of like, yeah. you know, the Lord That's takes right. away the scales and suddenly the blindness and become yeah. a Christian. That's great. And then tell us sort of between then and um, when you sort of decided to make the decision to go into ministry, what were some of the things that sort of took place in life as you tried to navigate that decision making? Sure. Um, I didn't have a very coherent um, discipleship and life after school. So I did mm. university. That was coherent, three years of, at university. And then I came out and um, did a couple of different jobs that weren't None of them were full-time. I didn't kind of land the internship to the career to the whatever. I did a yeah. bunch of random things really and I did that for a couple of years. And during that time, um, I think God was laying on my heart a desire to serve him. I remember um, finishing uni and then working for these couple of years and having conversations with Christian organisations about how I might serve, but it all seemed big and difficult and tricky. But it just was a growing conviction that somehow I wanted to serve God with my life. And it was in my second year after finishing uni that I kind of decided I'm not going to do three part-time jobs anymore. I'm not getting a full-time job. I'm going to um, sign up for some Bible college training, which is what I did. But I didn't have anyone discipling me or, or kind of guiding me through those years of how to kind of think about Christian ministry for the long term. It just was a growing inner conviction for me. Were there um, people in the local church that you were attending who maybe gave you words of encouragement or and or were you sort of active in voluntary ministry, leading Sunday school, doing youth group? Like were there people who then yeah. sort of identified in you a sort of a willingness or a desire and maybe encouraged not, you a little bit or not Not really? Not really. So I, as I said, I didn't have a very coherent um, yeah. discipleship after I, I became a Christian and in those uni years. My, my church actually that I was going to went through a very difficult, I guess, um, breakage, schism, some people might call it, um, there was a bit of a rift in, in the young adults people and I ended up going to a, a different church for about 18 months, then came back. Um, I remember someone once asking me to pray in church and I was terrified about that idea to lead the church in prayer. They actually gave me the prayer but I was terrified. But I don't, I didn't really have anyone, I wasn't involved in really leading ministries in the way that we think about it today. I was kind of leading this weird youth group that was only about four people because the whole thing had blown up two years mm -hmm. earlier or something like right. that. So it was a such a strange um, experience. But, again, I think I spoke to my local min my minister 
and he was probably encouraging but not directive not saying well, why don't you do this or think about this it was just yeah. again an, a growing conviction i think mm. in in part because i hadn't i hadn't landed a full-time job and i think that in hindsight that's god using that experience to kind of get me where i was what was the experience at college like compared to either your university study and or your sort of trying to juggle three part-time jobs? Yeah. Well, I started off um, just booking in for a year at, at Bible College because my my desire, Patty, without any kind of thinking really, any I was so naive, my desire was to go to Africa and be a missionary in Africa. That's what I thought I needed okay. to do. So I signed up for a year of Bible College because I was told by a mission agency I only needed a year's Bible college to go and do that. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. And I went to Bible college and I, I think I went to Bible college somewhat, I call myself Bible illiterate. I, I rocked up and I had no clue how the Bible fitted together. I had no clue how the Old Testament worked, that it found its pinnacle in Jesus. And then I, I learned all of that mm. in that six months of Bible college and at that point I thought I can't just do a year I want to be here a bit longer so I switched courses and I stayed for two years in the end. So Cara with that African conviction that's really interesting because I know there's a bunch of listeners who have had certain convictions to go certain places and then then plans have changed Mm. and they're trying to navigate some of our listeners are some options better than other options or how should that how will that work out in my life? Do you ha- reflecting back on that time when you're thinking, yep, yeah, this is going to be Africa, then I'm going to go over there. Looking back on that, what, what did you learn about what God was doing in that season of life and how did that change um, what you wanted to do? Yeah, I, I've tried to leave Sydney a number of times to do mission work overseas <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've never done it. <laughs> Um, I've done it for a week, you know, on occasion in India, I've done some work, but I've never, so, so fascinatingly, yeah, I, I go into a Bible college with this dream that, well, first of all, I went in with this thought that that's where, you know, God really needs me in Africa. Um, really not having a clue about mission. I was, again, I, I was 22 when I went to Bible college, so and Bible wow. literate, right? So um, actually what God ended up doing, and again, the story is insane, but what God ended up doing was not taking me to Africa mm. and, in fact, firmly planting me for the last 25 years in ministry in Sydney. Mm. Yep. It's been, it's really interesting to me. And how did that happen? Was it oh. just a series of convictions, conversations with people? Um, I won't tell you the long story because it's so crazy. But again, in my naivety at the end of my two years of Bible college, um, I didn't know, I didn't have any discernment about what roles were good or not or churches or anything. And I just applied for a whole lot. I was at one point talking with AFES. They didn't have any um, student ministry going on in Townsville at the time. And they were talking to me about going and being the staff worker at Townsville. I was 23 years old. Um, we, you know, we don't do that anymore. It's fascinating. Um, I was talking to a church in northern New South Wales about being a youth worker. I'm a 
terrible youth worker. I've never been good. <laughs> like even on camps, I've been terrible. Why would I go and be a youth worker in church? Why would they do that? In the providence of God, they recognise that, I'm sure of it. I ended up applying for a position in a church here in Sydney, which um, was in more admin role. And through a series of conversations with that church and whatever, they decided to give that role to somebody else. But they had in their mind someone to bring somebody on uh, in, a, in a ministry to women role. And uh, during that interview process, they ended up asking me to come and do that role. So uh, that was an Anglican church in Sydney. Um, yeah, and that was 25 years ago. Yeah. You mentioned you were 22 when you were at college studying the Bible. Can you tell us what that was like back in the day? Yeah, I think it's hard to, It's hard looking back. When I went to college, there were lots of people who really, I was amongst people who loved Jesus and wanted to serve them with their whole life. And I'd probably not been in that context in that, in that way maybe ever as a Christian. I'd been with lovely, wonderful Christian people in the local church, but here I was surrounded by a bunch of people who I connected with quite easily, had really strong friendships that I have even till today. I just saw it two of them last week, um, two friends from those those days. Uh, we were all people who loved Jesus, who wanted to serve him, and that's quite infectious. And I think in, in that sense um, the age thing wasn't a, a problem or wasn't a barrier, it was just... Suddenly I was, that inner conviction, I think, that God had been growing in me, found a place uh, where I could see others with similar convictions and that was a real encouragement, yeah. Mm. Um, obviously after college you ended up started working in a church. What were some of the challenges uh, in doing ministry in the local church setting for you back then? I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> sure. That was the first yeah. challenge. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, um, I probably got the, I'm one year out. So I was turning 25 when I started full-time yeah. in ministry after my Bible college. I was 23, 24 at Bible college. Sorry, I was a year out. So 25, starting in a, a, a very well-established church at that time. Um, I didn't, I was, I was kind of had my training wheels on and uh, I'm so thankful to God for the team that he put me mm. in who were patient, who unbeknownst to them were training me up. They probably put me on staff thinking I might have been more able and advanced than I was. And they, in God's kindness, I learnt from a team who were so well thought through, so able in ministry, and I think that just kind of, got me into ministry on steroids really and then I had to work out well who am I ministry what's my style how do I get alongside people what does it mean to disciple people and grow them in mm. Christ um, it's a it was a uh, a, a church of um, well-resourced church a church with people who are working in the city um, in pretty high-powered jobs some of them so it was like, how do I help these people be Christians where they are? Um, and I've never been where they are. I've not worked in corporate Australia, but they are. And so what, what can I So that was a challenge, I think. 
Um, at some point, the diocese asked you to take on your current role, Archdeacon for Women's Ministry, which uh, mm. I think you're the only Archdeacon for Women's Ministry. Am I correct in saying that? I'm the third, oh, the third. actually. Right. So the Anglican Diocese mm. in... But I currently am the only one. Because the Anglican Diocese in Sydney is fairly large. So it sort of seems an unusual thing that they've appointed you as sort of the only Archdeacon for Women's Ministry. So I, you know, so at some point um, you'd been working in the local church, and then you were appointed to a diocesan position. And from what I understand, one of uh, your roles is to uh, not only encourage women into ministry, but also to uh, um, participate in some fairly high-level discussions in terms of with some of the bishops and mm -hmm. other senior clergy in the diocese. Mm -hmm. What are some of the challenges that you think are before? Um, not only the Sydney Diocese, but perhaps other churches. What are some of the challenges in regard to encouraging people broadly into ministry? I mean, I'm just I'm struck by your comment that you were at college at 22. For the people who head to college now at 28 or 29, have they left it too late? Should they just go straight out of school? Right? Is that a, is that a challenge? Are there cultural challenges that you're observing about things? What are, what do you think broadly are some of the challenges that we face at the moment? I think the challenges are. Uh, ministry these days is much more and I, I don't say this in a negative sense but it's much more professional it feels much more professional so the compliance issues the um need for particular training that's beyond your bible college training um you know all your kind of leading teams and management and all of that kind of stuff i think that's a real challenge i, I don't think people who are 28 29 thinking about ministry left it too late at all. I think the encouragement from my story is actually God can use the most strangest of circumstances and get you into ministry if he so desires. So I think it's a willingness that I think this will sound harsh and let's be clear, I'm middle class as they come, but I think there's a middle class problem for ministry. Um, we want, uh, you know, I hear stories of ages of old, you know, 30 years ago where people sold up their houses and went into ministry and they didn't get any funding from the government and they paid their Bible college and all that kind of stuff. But I think we have an expectation that we will not have to sacrifice uh, to go into ministry, that ministry is a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice um, yourself. That's part of the Christian experience, isn't it? And how much are we willing to do that? She says, sitting very comfortably in her shire, you know, house. But, um, yeah, I think that's a challenge for us mm -hmm. is the sacrificial nature of ministry. Don't get me wrong. I think there are plenty of people out there who are ministry-minded, sacrificial people. Mm -hmm. But we, I think that sense of... Um, we still go into ministry expecting a standard, a standard of life and um, that we're supposed to enjoy. Uh, yeah, I think that's a challenge actually. Whereas I would us. perhaps presume or infer that if your expectation of ministry was I'm going to Africa, then there's no large middle-class houses in Africa, right? You're, you're living in Africa. So <laughs> you're willing to make that mm -hmm. sacrifice for the cause of the gospel. And it just mm. so happens that the mm -hmm. Lord has decided to keep you here 
the course of his gospel in working in all sorts of, sorts of other ways. Yeah. I guess my follow-up question, partly because um, of your particular role, but um, from, you know, from you and I, we know each other mm. a little bit and we've had a couple of conversations around this sort of topic. Do you think there are particular challenges for women considering ministry? Um, that This is sort of my experience a little bit yeah. as I talk with some of the other ministry staff on the team at Sydney Uni that I'm part of as they're talking to women about ministry. So I'd be really interested, and I know some of our listeners would be really interested in hearing your thoughts on um, some of the challenges for women. And might I just say at this point that this is not a time for the blokes to switch off, right? This is actually a time for the blokes to listen, to really understand some of the particular challenges for our sisters who are wrestling with issues that might not particularly be pertinent for the men, but the men really need to hear it and mm. grapple with it and be a great voice of encouragement. And mm. so any particular challenges that you'd like to share with us? Thank you for saying that too, Patty. Um, one of the things I'm passionate about is men and women contending for the gospel together. That's the pattern we have in the New Testament. For some women, though, the pathway to do that is much mm. less clear at times than for men. And what that leads to, I think, is an overall vibe, and I hear it, I've heard it for 25 years in ministry, that there's no places or positions or jobs for women, which is just not the case at all. But I think because the pathway is a bit less clear at times. For example, I only, I only got married seven years ago, so it turns out I wasn't 21 when I got I was, so I was single, for, I've been single for most of the time I've been in ministry. Will I be getting married? Uh, do I take up positions somewhere else? When do I do this? What, you know, lots of questions about my life pathway and my ministry pathway and will I match? What am I going to? So I think the pathway for women can be less clear. Uh, we know that in our diocese at least um, men take up the role of the senior minister. So it's, it appears that a bloke enters into college, does his four years, does his time as an assistant minister and probably one day might be a senior minister. That's not a clear pathway for women. So mm. where do I fit? So I think they're significant. I think the other challenge for women is um, and holding to the biblical framework that I hold to, I will never be in charge of the ultimate ministry. I will always be under somebody in ministry. Now, I'm thankful for that. Um, I, I love the men that I've served and worked with, but I will, I will always be an assistant. Um, that's an interesting dynamic and reality, and often men on staff teams need to appreciate mm. that and support women in that. Um, I am glad to be an assistant. Um, it, yeah, I'm very glad. I, as I said, I've worked with tremendous men. But one of the things that stood out for me about them is the way that they have recognised the ministry that's been entrusted to me and worked hard to support me, not just gone, We'll get her on team so she can look after that stuff over there mm. that I can't do. But actually fully integrated me into the team and the ministry. And I think that's a huge challenge for women if they don't feel that kind of support. If I can just ask a question on the back of what Patty said, I think that was a really helpful comment, Patty. Is there anything that 
young males should be aware of or should do to support our sisters who are also aspiring at the same time? Because on this podcast, we've sort of got a 50-50 split of men and women both aspiring, which is great, and we really wanted diversity on the podcast. But is there anything that we're doing that's unhelpful for our sisters or behaviours or ways of thinking or is there ways that we should support or as we can as we pursue ministry as well? It's a great question, Aaron, and I don't want to, you know, label your generation as some unhelpful bunch of blokes. I think, again, it's holding, if you can hold in in your mind, if we can all hold in our mind that New Testament pattern that is men and women contending for the gospel together, see how Paul speaks so fondly and so um, of his sisters, see how, you know, he wants Euodia and Syntyche to be of the same mind uh, because he's valued their ministry, his ministry with them. So valuing the contribution that your sisters make, it's not just that, oh, it's good to have them around. Actually, this is the pattern that God's given us of us standing side by side in the work of the gospel. So we don't just bring women on because, oh, we've got a few women around and it's good for them to actually um, help do that work among the women. No, we have them there because the biblical pattern from the garden has been men and women ruling the the world together. We see it in the New Testament. The Great Commission has been given to us, so let's work together to do that. We're nearing the closing of our podcast, but before Patty asks perhaps our final question, I was just wondering how should we go about as we move into a new generation, how should we go about deciphering how to apply complementarian principles in the local church setting? Um, it's it's a big question with the time that we've got left. Sure, we've only got 30 seconds, don't we? There's, diff, there's, diff, there's different ways of obviously applying that. And for those who are complementary on this podcast, we know there are egalitarians as well and we, we love and welcome them to the table. But any thoughts about that? Um, because I'm cognizant of the fact perhaps in the past we haven't done that particularly well. I'm, I'm just going to jump in to give Cara <laughs> a bit more thinking space because that wasn't a question that we prepared Cara to answer. And you don't have to answer that, by the way. I think... No, I'm very happy Cara will give us a great answer. Um, oh, can I just so, say, yeah. I, what, the first thing it's I want question, to say is that I want to say what I've just said about men and women contending for the gospel is nothing to do with complementarianism or egalitarianism. Mm, it's actually a pattern mm. that's given to us in the Bible. I haven't talked about the limits of that. I've just talked about the mm. that. So, yeah. I like that. So I'm really happy to say that, but I think um, that's not a, yeah, that's not particularly one or the other. That's just a pattern. Mm. So as we sort of get to the end of the podcast, I guess my last question is we've got quite a lot of our listeners who are in that sort of early early to mid-20s, maybe later 20s, are really thinking about pretty seriously for some of them aspiring into ministry. I guess the question is what sort of final piece of advice would you give them um, that might help them in their thinking, in their decision-making uh, mm-hmm. with regarding to aspire into ministry? <laughs> Two Peter chapter 3 is what I'd say. We are actually um, in the last days. The Lord Jesus is going to return. We do not know when. The time is short. 
How then shall we live, says Peter, and um, holy and godly lives. And if you're somebody who is aspiring into ministry, that you've had um, others confirm that kind of, that you're a person who's gifted for that kind of work, if um, you have the capacity, you have the, the competencies, the convictions, then the times are short. So sign up, get going, mm. um, be bold, be brave. The Lord may take you in directions that you're not expecting and you hadn't planned for, and some of those might even be disappointments. Some of those might actually be hard and you think, but I signed up to serve you, Lord. Hold on, why is this happening? But actually trust in the sovereignty of God. If you're being, if somebody's um, identified you and, and worked with you and suggested that this is a way forward, then understand the times, understand two Peter three, and get going. That's great. Thank. That's very very helpful. Look, Cara, thanks very much for your time on the podcast tonight. We really really appreciate your time and your words of wisdom and drawing on all of the experiences uh, that that the Lord's placed before you and and you've gone through over the twenty five years in ministry. And um, hopefully, perhaps down the track, some of our listeners, if they um, are interested in doing ministry, particularly within the Anglican Church, um, might end up having a really great conversation with you. And who knows, the Lord might use this particular conversation that you've had with us to try and spur them on a little bit more and consider maybe doing um, ministry in the Anglican Church. And I I praise God for that and the work that you've been doing. So thank you for joining us. Thanks, Patty. It's been great. Just wanted to give a massive shout out to those of you who've given us a review on Apple Podcasts. It honestly means the world to Patty and I just to see how this podcast is individually affecting all of your lives. Thank you so much to Hannah Lilly. Great insights and challenges for mission-minded Christians and those considering vocational ministry. Definitely recommended. Thanks, Patty and Aaron, for the great initiative. Thanks so much, Hannah. That's really kind of you. Thanks very much, James Crosby as well, down in Wollongong. Love you, mate. I praise the Lord God for Aspire, a platform for younger and older brothers and sisters to consider the great call of the gospel and the joys and challenges of following Jesus. I have been so impressed by how much territory has been covered in their conversations and the constant considerations of a whole range of people in various contexts. It has sharpened my understanding of full-time vocational ministry, focused my mind on the dire need for kingdom lovers and attuned my heart more deeply to to Jesus' care for his people. Thank you. That's so kind, Cros. Bless you, mate. And thanks so much for Jacob Merendoff as well. What a mad podcast. Loved every episode and I can't wait for season two. I just got a Mac and the first thing I'm doing is jumping on to finally rate this podcast because it is that good. <laughs> thanks be to God. Jacob, that's classic, mate. That's awesome to hear you got a Mac. And thank you very much for blessing us, bro, with those beautiful words, with the first few things that you've typed on your Mac. That's just awesome. Thanks so much, guys. We really appreciate hearing how this is helping you. So this means a lot to us. Bless you guys and talk to you soon.